Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Rise Up Sea Red podcast, all about the Arizona Cardinals and the NFL, featuring insider and outsider perspectives. Enjoy the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Now here are your hosts, Jess Root and Seth Cox. Hello, Arizona Cardinals fans, and welcome to the latest edition of the Rise Up Sea Red podcast. I'm your host, Jess Root from Cardswire.com, the USA Today NFL wire site covering the Arizona Cardinals. With my co-host Seth Cox from RevengeOfTheBirds.com, SB Nation's Arizona Cardinals site, and also one of the hosts of the original Draft Breakdown podcast, and we are we are firmly in off-season mode. Uh, we started the on my side, we started the the countdown to we're in the final hundred days um, till the season begins. We're in the final week of OTAs, and with basically this week and minicamp next week. And then we're done till training camp, Seth. It is the the off season program is all almost over, and we're at episode four hundred and twenty seven. How are things going for you? It's good, man. Just busy uh, this time of year at work personally, and and just getting ready uh, for the the season. But you know, it's been good. How uh, how's getting a little time off the the real job going oh the the fact i don't have to wake up at three forty-five in the morning for the for two months is is fantastic because yeah those of you who don't know like basically both of us run two parallel full-time gigs <laughs> i teach high school and and do the cardinal stuff on this uh, along with it it's, i can't even say it's on the side because it's just as much work but then you know that's up and writing at three forty-five, four a.m so i can get some content up on the site before i head into work so you know i've I'm not tired at the end of the day. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, you've uh, you've basically conditioned yourself, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It, it, with this with this show, there's a whole bunch of kind of off season type things. There's not. I will be honest. There's not a lot of news because Jonathan Gannon, new head coach, there's a Cardinals is not giving us much news. He won't give us a timeline on Kyler Murray. He won't give us a timeline even on Zach Gertz. In fact, he used the identical phrase. The exact, exact exact verbiage that he used for Kyler Murray, when he's physically and mentally ready, he'll be out there. Yeah. But said that both are wanting to go. Kyler wants to be out there. Zach Ertz is chomping at the bit. Um, but Gannon, on, honestly, he doesn't give us much uh, at this point of the year because, like, even talking about DeAndre Hopkins, who needs to step up, he's like, well, it's not just – it's not about the receiver step. It's about the whole team playing better. He gives us literally – literally nothing (laughs) yeah i mean it's a very what would you say like belchekian uh very much so type of way about him and and it's fine i mean like you said it it makes for less intrigue for the fans in our sites but 
you know, we do what we can with it and kind of move from there. Uh, you know, and then, and then you just have to kind of fight through a lot of this, right? Like there's just a lot of, I don't know what the word is, nonsense maybe that <laughs> this time of year where, you know, you have to, you have to be willing to kind of understand that, well, the content you're going to get isn't going to be, um, isn't going to be stuff that may have impact on the season, right? Yeah, it might yeah be, that, that's formally like, this is the off season. It's lists and rankings and things like that. Right. And a lot of it is, I mean, that's the thing. There's stuff that we're even embargoed from talking about. If we see stuff, um, I mean, literally we could, you know, lose our access to the team so like we, we can't be like oh yeah and hypothetically oh yeah we saw deandre hopkins playing safety and he's running with the, like like if that's happening it's not something we can talk about if it's during the closed portion of practice as correct so correct. so you know there's just a lot of nonsense that goes on you know that only so much that we're able to you know decipher and then things we do see we have to like coded <laughs> talk codedly <laughs> like, talk what about. if what if they decided to use <laughs> all yeah. that sort of thing and and they've got two days of media availability for this this week by the way we're recording a little bit earlier it's a monday morning um so maybe we can get a couple of shows in this week but the content uh, of our off-season shows will be a little bit different since we, we usually take a lot of time off uh, we'll try to throw in a more talking points, just, you know, things that you hear on, on other type of things, stuff that you can find on the internet, then read, but you can listen to us talk about instead. But there are two practices that are opening to the media, uh, at least in part, this week for OTAs on Monday and on Thursday. I might actually be able to get down there this week and then may have minicamp and then we're wrapping things up. But um, in terms of our topics for the show today, um, these are kind of things that we run across other sites. Um, Pro Football Focus has been running a whole bunch of off-season stuff, which makes for easy content for writers like us because we can we can discuss whether the Cardinals deserve better or whether it's fair and things like that. But I, I thought it was kind of an interesting thing that they did recently, and they they grouped they came up with who is the best three players on every single NFL team. Um, and I think for the Cardinals, the top two are, are obvious. We're going to go with a he healthy Kyler Murray and then Buda Baker. Those are the two best players on the team, hands down, especially now that DeAndre Hopkins is no longer on the team. Let's discuss who we think the third best player on the team is, which um, I put a poll. I actually forgot to put one player up, but Pro Football Focus included Hollywood Brown. Um, I also threw guys, I put, there was a poll I put on my site, um, Zach Ertz, DJ Humphreys, um, James Connors, the guy I forgot, um, or might it be Isaiah Simmons or even Zayvon Collins or, or someone like that? Would you agree that I, I, I'm not myself, I'm not sure if I would include Hollywood as their third best player yet unless you're projecting it, but I don't think he's a bad choice. Yeah, it's one of those situations where I don't know if there's a wrong choice, but I, or I should say, I don't know if there's a right choice, but I do <laughs> think there are some wrong choices. Um, Hollywood's an interesting one. I wouldn't say he is a, like you said, he's not a bad choice. I just don't know if he's done enough 
to warrant that um, at this at this juncture, basically, right? Like, has he proven enough within the Cardinals that he is one of the you know three best players on the team? Um, you know, Ertz is a still a productive veteran, but is his is his uh, kind of explosiveness and in, in, in those days behind him, or is this, you know, and obviously coming off an ACL on top of that. Um, Connor's intriguing because, you know, obviously he's a very uh, good story and we know what type of player he is, right? So he's an easy one to like. Um, you know, for me, it comes down to a couple names. I think first, Jalen Thompson. Uh, doesn't get enough credit for how good he has been. I, I uh, forgot to mention it here, but yes, he was one of the players that I listed on my poll. I omitted Connor, but included Jalen. Yeah, and I I think that's probably accurate. You know, it's not a shot at Connor. I think he's a very good player, uh, very capable player in the NFL. It's just, you know, I I I don't know. I'm I'm not sure whether his presence is that much of a you know game changer from something else that they could get um you know so let me ask you this is a healthy dj humphreys kind of number three with a bullet or is that time passed now because of kind of the age and injuries it, it, it feels like you know that dj's still not that old but now he's turning 30 i believe this year right yes yes he is and and so the question becomes is you know will the will the injuries and then obviously age catch up with him to the point where he's just not that you know type of player anymore well what's interesting is because dj humphreys if you look like if you look across the spectrum of fans he is underappreciated i think large i think he's widely underappreciated by by our fans because while he is not a great left tackle he's a pretty good one and he's a, like if you look at it obviously the team still believes in him the like he, he was front and center as kind of the face of of the uniform reveal when they used him jonathan gannon is very big on that uh, the team last like now before his injury, like if we look like if he, he he made it he made the Pro Bowl in 2022. I'm sorry, 2021, but his 2020 season was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I maybe it's because of the, the the being injured for the last half of last season and having a few misses here or there. But yeah, left tackle is such a hard thing. And and what's great about left tackle is that you know. You can you can be a solid left tackle for like good ones. They play a long, long time. I, yeah, I I think I I think yeah, a healthy DJ Humphreys probably is probably is for me clearly almost clearly the third best player. I personally kind of lean towards. I think I think it's Zach Ertz. Uh, because in terms of talent and, and production and impact, James Conner, like if I look at James Conner, you know what? He might be like of the of the number three guys. 
he might be the most important, like where his performance is the most impactful because of what that will do with the offense. Because if he is, especially with the what we look at the roster at running back, if James Conner yeah, is... Yeah, just how thin they are. Right. If James Conner is playing very well, I think that will have a dynamic um, impact on the off on the offense. But do I think he's the third best player? I think that's probably Humphreys or Ertz, in my opinion. And that, I mean, and this is obviously a conversation for another day, but that goes to show kind of the lack of uh, hits that they've had in terms of their NFL draft and even free agency pickups because, I mean, Ertz is a, what, he's going to be 32 or is he going to be 33? Let me see. Double checking right now, but uh, he's going to be 33 this year. So he's, you know, playing age 33 this year. He'll be 33 in November. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's crazy to think yeah. that, right? And, and they've had. They've had top 10 picks. They've had top 20 picks in that time. And, you know, outside of Humphreys, all these names we're talking about came from outside of the organization. You know, like, obviously, Ertz they traded for. James Conner they picked up basically off the scrap, right? Um, Hollywood Brown they traded for. So, like, that's – their two best players with the bullet are, you know – homegrown home drafted players yeah but but the fact that that's all they have and the rest of them you know there's this debate whether it's a guy that they drafted in 2015 (laughs) or is it you know out and and there's nothing wrong with you know a guy like zach Ertz being your third best player there's nothing wrong with it except you probably want to have a without sounding rude you want to have a better player as your yeah, third best yeah. player well, especially like look at what they have defensively like you'd like you'd like for one of their cornerbacks or edge rushers right to be their next best because those are the premium positions right right and it would kind of be beneficial to do that in terms of talent i think there's no question that the third most talented player on the team outside of Buddha and, and and Kyler is Isaiah Simmons because he he just have skill upon skill that has not been completely unlocked yet. We've seen flashes of just absolute greatness, but I, I I think there's no doubt that he is one of the most talented players on the team. And and if you look at statistically, honestly, you can't be terribly disappointed with what he's produced over the last two seasons. It's just he hasn't been like all pro level. It's, and, and honestly, being drafted number eight overall, it almost feels like too much expectation. But that's kind of what you want from him when they when they drafted him. You're thinking all pro type or, or or all pro type player, right? Well, yeah, and that I mean, you're expecting it's something we've talked about. You know, unfortunately, and, and you kind of mentioned it with with Humphreys, like there's 
only one left tackle that's an all pro every year, right? Uh, you know, and usually it's just Trent Williams. <laughs> but if it's not, you know, there's there's other guys, but usually there's you know a left tackle, right tackle. They've gone away from um, what's the word I'm looking for? Designating necessarily left side versus right side, but we tend to see that. <clears throat> for linebackers, there's three spots, and they don't really designate, right? They don't really say, like, oh, well, this guy played inside. It's, it's interesting. They have, at least for – I think they have middle linebacker and outside linebacker, and outside linebackers get selected between pass rushers yeah. and off-the-ball guys because you've got the defensive ends. It's almost like uh, – but yeah, I think they, they do make two linebacker designations rather than inside and outside. They do they do middle and outside, which sometimes that's going to leave a guy like Simmons out because the middle linebacker designation is that's really only your four three linebackers, right? And so that's the thing is you look at it, you have you know Fred Warner, Roquan Smith, you know the two guys. Your outside linebackers, you have Micah Parsons, you have Hassan, you have Matt Milano, who's one of the few that weren't, uh, that's not a pass rusher, as you're saying. You know, so it's just, it comes down to, it comes down to what, you know, what are you getting from a guy that you drafted eighth overall? And, and, and that's the thing is, fair or not, you're expecting, um, Roquan Smith level. Right. Like if you're going to draft a guy in the same with the same pick, the 8th overall pick, the the expectation is he's going to be uh Roquan Smith level. A, a three-time or a, a yeah, three-time all-pro, one, you know, one-time first team all-pro, two two-time second team all-pro and a, and a pro bowler. Like that's the expectation level. Um so that's the unfortunate reality because, you know, there's just – if you're drafting a guy highly like that, you're expecting a Pro Bowl-level player. It's, it's it's like the quarterback situation. Uh, who's the quarterback? Ah, gosh, it's going to drive me nuts. But, like, is it um, – shoot. I think, like, Josh Allen's never been an all-pro, right? Because yeah, well, probably not. Are you are you are you going to be an all pro over Patrick Mahomes? You know, like <laughs> you know, it, and that's the thing is you go back and you look at these these all pro designations. It's really tough. Um, a lot, a lot of times to crack the lineup, and so it just comes down to, it just comes down to like, are you playing at that level? But when you to your point, a, a linebacker or a running back, you know, let's say the, the expectation level unfortunately changes right it's like oh we took you this high because we expect that you're this good and then it doesn't happen and you sit there and go well yeah yeah he's fine but i didn't draft a guy eighth overall to be fine i drafted a guy <laughs> eighth overall to be like holy cow this guy's like so. he's got to be special right it's, it's almost right. feels like it's at that position he's got to be special and ha- you look at statistically he 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 checks a lot of boxes because he does a lot of things um and 
we're going to be interested in see how they use him. One of the things that we didn't bring up for, for this show is how they're going to use Isaiah, because we kind of t- talked about that before. But Gannon did finally clue us in that apparently that they have a couple of spots where they're going to use. And yes, he is still practicing with the safeties. He is practicing with defensive backs. He's still designated as a linebacker on the roster. Just like last year, he was designated as a linebacker. He practiced with the safeties and then ultimately played mostly coverage from the slot. We'll see what what they end up doing with him, and which will probably be, if I had to pick two roles, he will play stack linebacker and he'll play coverage. It'll probably be mostly the role that Kaiser White had with the Eagles last year. If, if we had to kind of pick a type of role, I think it would be that. And honestly, I think it'll be fairly similar to what they did with him last year. I think that's something that we are kind of expecting, kind of, right? Yeah. But it's going to be interesting. You know, we were talking about this off the air, just how they're going to deploy this defense because they brought in, you know, Patrick Tony, who was a defense coordinator. Obviously, Gannon's a defense coordinator. And then Nick Rallis, who's, you know, looked at as one of the rising stars in the NFL. Um, coaching ranks and so the question becomes what what is this defense going to look like and i think the answer is nobody has any idea yet like because i i I think that's why they brought in so many different viewpoints because they have an idea of, of being flexible defensively which is you know not something that you're really used to. I don't I don't know how to explain it, but it's not something that we've seen, right? Like typically this is what we do, this is how we play it. And now all of a sudden it's like um you know, it's like, oh, we're we might see a defense that's diverse and changes week to week. That would be uh it would be different and it'd be interesting to see how it how it works out absolutely coming up next on the rise of sea red podcast the best of cardinals talk on the web what is the cardinals biggest strength that's coming up next on rise of sea red we're back on the rise of sea red podcast the best of cardinals talk on the web do the cardinals have any strengths we don't know they, they, they're expected to be terrible in fact pro football focus they ranked the cardinals number 32 in terms of roster strength or roster talent i don't know if honestly it's hard to argue that at this point um, when you've got Kyler Murray injured, you've got Zach Ertz injured, you have basically nobody on defense. Like you've got Buda Baker on defense that has that has accomplished something in this league. No pass no proven passers that but what was notable is is what they because they list their biggest strength, their biggest question mark, and their X factor. Obviously, the X factor is going to be Kyler Murray and when he returns and how he returns when he comes back. But Pro Football Focus listed their greatest strength as their pass protection. What do you think about that? Do you think that's actually might be their, their strength right now? Um, you know, I'm not sure it's their biggest strength, but as you're kind of talking through it, it's probably, as you're saying, their biggest strength right now, right? Like that's the designation that you have to put on it is that right now that's probably what they're best at um 
Because like you said, we just really, I mean, it's just a very uncertain um, situation. You, like you said, we don't know when Kyler's going to be back. So we can't say, oh, the, you know, the offense is going to be their strength or, or, or the passing game or whatever. Uh, we don't know when Ertz is going to be back. Because like you said, uh, game's being a little coy with everything. <laughs> so, so what what is the most known well the most known commodity or entity on this roster is offensive line and and outside of center it's pretty i mean it's pretty much i don't want to say locked down because we don't know you know we don't know where um where johnson's gonna play yet we're not sure if it's gonna be josh jones or kelvin beecham you know there's a lot of question marks but when you're utilizing pro football focuses grades and their beliefs, they like Josh Jones. They like Kelvin Beecham. Uh, they obviously loved Paris Johnson coming out. We talked about DJ earlier. So if you're utilizing their own, you know, algorithms and grades, there then yeah, you're going to come away with well, we feel best about or feel most comfortable about you know, their, the pass protection. And, you know, right now that does make sense, you know, um, outside of, of Will Hernandez, most of the O-linemen's best work is done in, in the passing game. You know, uh, Will's a guy that you can make a case that he's good at both, right? Um, maybe a little stronger as a run guy. But that's not a negative thing. He's still good enough in, you know? um, like we said, we'll figure out the center situation and see how it unfolds. It sounds like uh, for Holt, maybe the guy initially, and then, you know, maybe that changes. So, with what we know, and more importantly, what we don't know, it makes sense that they would list the pass protection at this juncture. Yeah, it, it does. That said, that said, um, that's weird that they would name that considering. Um, Honestly, three out of four spots on the offensive line aren't known. Right, but I think <laughs> I think again it goes back to they like yeah. the options they have. That's true. That's true. They they do like honestly, uh, people won't like Dennis Daly, but look at the options that they have at, at right tackle. You've got Paris Johnson and Kelvin Beecham and Josh Jones. Those are all really solid options if you're looking on paper. Center highly questionable. Left guard. You could go with Jones. You could go with Johnson. You could go with Elijah Wilkinson. You could go with Dennis Daly. You've got you've got you've got Marquise Hayes, a guy that that the team loved a year ago. Granted, different coaching staff. Um, but yeah, center's a big question mark. Might the biggest strength in terms of roster talent? You could argue that now. This is not a particular. You know they're talking pass protection of the run game, the receiving. So it, it's but in terms of talent, probably their their greatest strength is their linebacker talent or their back end play. You might be able to say that. Even though you look at the metrics, they had a bad pass defense last year. They weren't good at stopping the run. But in terms of talent, now it, it appears that that. Pro Football Focus was not looking at so much as as the the strength in terms of position, but strength as in production. 
And yeah, pass protection probably makes the most sense because they don't know what you're going to see in the run game yet. Um, and you don't know what you're going to get for pass rush or run defense or pass defense. But I, I think in terms of skill set, if you call the strength the pass protection, if you look at the talent, I think you're if you're looking at the linebacker group, they gave even I think a little bit more than than its safety because safety is a little less impactful than linebacker play. But because you've got the likes of Zavin and Isaiah, and, and then you add in Kyrie White, who has been in, in, incredibly productive the past couple of seasons and very highly rated in in coverage. I think that is also that could be mentioned, even though in terms of PFF metrics, that doesn't show up. You you wouldn't be able to say, okay, what is it? It's not linebacker pass coverage. It's not coverage versus tight ends. It's not because their pass defense was bad. The pass defense probably still well, looks bad. And and it's like you said, like from a talent, rich is probably stronger, but from a talent perspective, yeah, that's probably where you would lean. But, like you said, there's just too many unknowns and uncertainties. Um, and again, using PFF's own metrics, they haven't graded well enough to be like, oh, yeah, this is where the talent is. And that's the unfortunate reality of it, right? That you've got, um, you've got a chance to have a group that's talented. But there's also the question of, are these guys going to be able to reach their talent level with the lack of talent in front and around them? You know, so that makes it difficult as well, because defense, obviously offense, we've talked about before, offensive line is is such a unit and, and needs so much to be in in sync with one another and linebacker play is kind of similar. Like you can have really good linebackers, but outside of volume tackles, they're not making an impact because the people in front of them might not be giving them the best opportunity to, um, excel. Coming up next on the res of Red podcast, the bizarre Cardinals talk on the web quarterback rankings. Where does Colt McCoy, fall where should he be and where would we bring kyler murray that's coming to next on rise of sea red back on the rise of sea red podcast the best of our cardinals talk on the web pro football focus also ranked there they're going through their position rankings top 32 at every different position as can be likely expected the cardinals are not heavily in- included in most of those but starting quarterbacks it was interesting because they omitted kyler murray purposefully because he is not expected to be the week one starter and so they had Colt McCoy ranked and understandably he's low in fact out of 32 projected week one starters he comes in at number 29 now let's talk about Colt and then let's talk about where Murray fall in this list if we were going to rank him I honestly think, well, well, McCoy ranked number 329. I get it, but I also don't because a couple of guys listed ahead of him don't make much sense unless they're looking as a projection. The three guys he is ahead of, C.J. Stroud, rookie, Desmond Ritter, second-year player, 
and Anthony Richardson, also rookie. And Rob, rookie at that. So, okay, I would put McCoy above them. Yep. Ranked above Colt McCoy is Baker Mayfield, Sam Howell, and his one career start for the Washington Commanders, Jordan Love of the Green Bay Packers, Bryce Young, um, and then at that you get to number twenty-four, Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think I, I above that. You've got Jimmy Garoppolo, Brock Purdy, Kenny Pickett, Mac Jones. I don't. I'm I'm not going to try and argue that Colt McCoy deserves to be above Jimmy Brock or Kenny Pickett, uh, or even Kenny Pickett for that matter, or Mac Jones. But I do think that. McCoy being number 29 is ignoring that he's not terrible. And the guys he's in front of are just unknowns. (laughs) And we've seen some good things out of McCoy. I don't know if I would, I, I, I don't know why you would put Jordan Love or Sam Howell ahead of him, honestly. Baker Mayfield, sure. But two guys who have nothing in their career. I you know what's funny is I would rather them rank uh, Love and Hal over what Mayfield's done lately. Like Mayfield's been spectacularly bad, and <laughs> and so I mean that's a that's what's weird to me is that is Colt McCoy a top twenty five quarterback in the NFL? No. Um, if he's starting and this list is out there you know of of starters could you put him at 25 and have you know like you said mayfield how and potentially even love and young below him yeah it would make sense he's he's done more he's you know what you're getting with him and honestly with with garoppolo's injury situation i don't know what if you can i mean from a talent perspective uh, you know, I would say he still or is better than than Colt McCoy, but availabilities. It's the best more ability, right? right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I find it puzzling. Okay, I get why Bryce Young is ranked ahead of Colt McCoy, but why is C.J. Stroud listed below it? The, the 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 two things don't make sense because the two were great college quarterbacks Anthony Richardson I get because he's super raw I don't I don't understand why Bryce Young is ranked four above McCoy but Stroud below him that's the only thing that I don't understand about the 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 rankings for the rookies because if if you you project the Bryce talent wise obviously I'd put Bryce Young ahead of of Colt McCoy but I'd probably put CJ Stroud ahead of him. I guess I guess what I would do. If they, they've got Jimmy Garoppolo, they got Garoppolo 24, Bryce Young 25, I'd put um Stroud 26, and then McCoy 27, and put him above Love Howell and Baker. Yeah, and I think that would make sense. I think it's all kind of Right, but honestly, like this is a stupid argument, right? Because we're <laughs> arguing, but he's better than these two guys <laughs> that haven't done anything in the NFL yet. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this all kind of shakes out. So here's the question, though: Kyler Murray not not listed, 
Where would you put him? Here's here's the rankings from top to bottom. From top, we'll go from one to fifteen. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, number seven, Trevor Lawrence, eight, Kirk Cousins, nine, Dak Prescott, ten, Tua Tungavailoa, eleven, Matthew Stafford, twelve, Deshaun Watson, thirteen, Derek Carr, fourteen, Geno Smith, fifteen, then Jared Goff, sixteen. Where would you put Kyler? In that group, if you, considering, I guess you have to consider his production last year and what we've seen from him previously. Where would be kind of the sweet spot where you would put him? You know, I would uh, right now. I'd put him at fourteen. So I'd I'd bump Carr and Smith down. Um, you can talk me into moving Watson and Kyler into the eleven twelve slots and moving Tua and Stafford down. But you know, all things being equal, if it, I would say that Stafford had a better twenty-one. Oh, Stafford twenty-one was special. Goodness. Yeah. Then, then what Kyler had, and if we're again saying both are coming off an injury-plagued and kind of uh, injury-plagued season, then I would I would probably keep Stafford above him. So I'd put him in that fourteen to to 12, 12 to fourteen range, and really, it's just you know, kind of picking yeah. your picking your favorite. But this is what I say to people all the time, and and I think you and I have had this conversation. I'm not sure we've had it on the podcast. The way quarterback works more now than ever, and and we saw it with the previous generation, with you know Brady and Manning and Breeze. Um, is that you have Mahomes right now. You have Mahomes. And then 2 to 14 is basically a, a jumble every season. Yeah. And, and and a guy, you know, raises up, a guy falls down, and all of that kind of plays itself out throughout the year. I mean, Jalen Hurst was probably, what, number th- three or four last year. Um you know, is he going to be that again this year? I don't know. And they have him ranked seventh. Justin Herbert ranked number four. Interesting because he wasn't. Yeah, just he, he wasn't, wasn't very really... good last year. Like he, okay, he wasn't great, which is what he was projecting. He was there. There were some definite flaws to the game, just like Kyler last year. Uh, it was very, very odd to see some of the metrics, like his deep passing game last year, that for for Kyler just fell off. But I'll be honest, I don't blame Kyler for a lot of that because part of it was, I mean, part of it was his holding out, so he didn't get the reps. Part of it was Christian Kirk was gone. Part of it was not having Hopkins. And then part of it was just his receivers almost being there. They had so many almost throws last year that it was ridiculous when those shows were all on target for his first three seasons. But yeah, uh, Kyler, like Kirk Cousins, it's, you, you don't like to say it, but Kirk Cousins continues to produce at a really high level. Dak Prescott's great. Tua, it's up and down. Like, Tua's a, a guy I have a hard time putting above Kyler, but his high-end play is good. Um, Stafford, when he's healthy... Is special. Deshaun Watson was unimpressive when he played last year, but yeah, I, I, you know, 
definitely ahead of well, Geno Smith also last year was, though he came, came to earth a bit late in the season, but Geno Smith was something special pretty much last year. But definitely ahead of Derek, Derek Carr, maybe ahead, like, maybe ahead of Watson. Like I would, I would put Stafford higher on this list, honestly. Um, I would put him above Tua and assuming a healthy Stafford, I'd have him above Cousins and Prescott too, to be honest. But, you know, Kyler Murray is in that, you know, consistently 10 to 14 range right now with the potential to be, to get up to a top five or, or even talent wise to even he could, he could, hasn't shown it yet. But if he played it at that high level consistently, he could challenge Mahomes for the top spot. We what we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, and I think the goal has to be, you know, once he's back for to see him play his way into the top ten yes. heading into heading into next year. And whenever that comes, you know, the earlier it goes, the you know, better it is for the the club as a whole. But uh, when he's physically and mentally ready. <laughs> Right. <laughs> All right. Coming up next on the Rise of Syria podcast, the best of Cardinals talk. And let's talk a little bit about Zayvon Collins. We talked some about Isaiah Simmons in previous shows, but let's talk more Zayvon Collins. That's coming up next on Rise of Sea Red. We're back on the Rise of Sea Red podcast, the best of Cardinals talk on the web. Zayvon Collins continuing to get work in OTAs off the edge. Um, that's pretty much the only place he has been seen getting work. Whether that is a signal of a true position change or simply the fact that they trust him to play off the ball already, like he's smart enough that, to do that, and they're giving him the reps right now to play off the edge, where do you think he will end up playing more? I, I believe the more we, we hear about what this defense is, that there is going to be plenty of moving around. For in terms of front seven, I think particularly that there will be a lot of mixing and matching in the front seven in particular. Where do you think Zaven ends up playing more this season? Off the ball or as an edge rusher? Yeah, man, that's that's such a fun question to see how <laughs> it plays out because I think I think it's gonna do you think he's going to play the Hassan role a little more? In I th honestly I think that is a possibility. If well, like what the Hassan role looks like in this defense, I guess potentially. I do know this. Like if you look at if you look at the type of defensive end or, or basically edge rusher that the Eagles have used or that the Colts like Zaven fits the physical profile perfectly. He he didn't have the skill set coming out of college and it wasn't one of his strengths, but in terms of size and 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 length, Zaven Collins is built 6'4 265. Like exactly what you would want, like what they use the Eagles used last year as their four three D ends, right? And so I think there's there's the potential where they want to make him versatile in that sense. And I think it also depends on like where I think he gets played more. I think it's highly dependent on how they use Isaiah Simmons, right? Because if if, if if Isaiah is playing more off the ball, 
wouldn't having Zayden in a Hassan slash edge role make sense? But then at the same time, you've got you've got some young pass rushers you like, Akan Thomas, Mikey Sanders, BJ Ojolari they just drafted. How many snaps is Zayden gonna get from the edge when you've got true edge players in Thomas and Ojolari? Yeah, and and obviously the investment in Ojolari similar to what we're talking about with uh with you know Marquise Hayes and you know just slightly slightly similar that they may not have the same investment and or plans for for my j and for or cam thomas i'm pretty but sure I, cam thomas is still heavily figured into their plans and if there's for any of the other reasons that we think that well because cam and my j were both part of the uniform reveal which if there was any question about their prominence they probably wouldn't have had them no and that's yeah i mean that's one of the big things but you know, we also, I mean, you could say the same about Zayvon and Isaiah, right? And so you just kind of figure out how this is all going to work out. But I think, I think we're going to see Zayvon and Isaiah moved around quite a bit with Kaiser kind of um, holding down the fort in the middle, so to speak. It's going to be one undersized Mike. <laughs> I don't necessarily know if he's going to be the Mike, but yeah, I think he's going to be the guy that kind of, you know, plays that position. I'm interested to see how this all works out because it's going to be interesting how they decide they want to, um, how they want to deploy all of this. That's, oh, I can't wait to see live snaps of how they do things. And and, and I hope that that when they when they do training camp, one, that it continues to be as open as it's always been. And that two, that they don't try and do what Cliff Kingsbury did, that basically that they they practiced one set of offense and then had a secret offense that was behind closed doors <laughs> before the season began. But yeah, just to kind of see in training camp because I I don't know if we'll see that in even in mini camp next week because I think they're they they're maybe next week maybe it'll be the first time because it'll be the first time that you can in mini camp. Well, you you can now, but I think they're limiting their eleven on eleven, even though it's not full contact. It, I want to I, I just want to see some formations like how how do they look. Like is he, is he doing what Reddick did, where he was, something like he sometimes lined up like even technically he's a rush linebacker but he lined up on the edge. Um, do they does he blitz from off the ball? It, that front seven is going to be fascinating to watch because I think the back end you, you know the back end you're going to see more or less traditional type things, right? It's just a matter of the types of coverages. You can't get too crazy creative with your defensive backfield in terms of de- deployment. But your front seven can definitely be fun. Yeah, I would agree with that. And with that, let's go ahead and wrap this edition of the Rise of Sea Red podcast up. We've wrapped up episode 427. Uh, oh, well, let's ultimately, 
just prediction-wise. Do you think he'll be doing more edge or more off the ball if we're going to make a prediction? I think it'll be more off the ball because of what we talked about with the the glut of guys in, in uh, my J Cam and uh, and obviously the addition of Ojolari. I think he'll be utilized there, but I, I don't think it'll be as much. Good. That that's kind of my my feeling as well. Um, maybe like perhaps he gets used in particular packages as, as a rusher, but also to give him the reps so that he can rush from the off the ball. So he starts off the ball, but then late in the the snap count moves up to the line of scrimmage so that he can work on his pass rushing moves. I mean, that might be ultimately what it's for, but that rep is, that that'll wrap up episode 427 of the rise up sea red podcast. We will see if we can throw together another episode later this week, either with the two of us or just by myself, but more off season stuff coming up. Thanks for listening. As always, that's Seth Cox. I'm Jess Root. This is the rise up sea red podcast. Thanks for listening to the latest edition of the rise up sea red podcast. Listen to previous episodes and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Audioboom, or many other podcast platforms so shows are delivered directly to your mobile device. Please give the show a five-star rating and always support the sponsors who support the show. We'll be back soon for the best hour of Cardinals talk on the web. Rise up Red Sea, be Red Sea Red, and of course, rise up Sea Red. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.